Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, guys. Before we start, a quick swear warning. Some of the language in this episode might get a little fruity. If you're around kids or people who might be easily offended, it's probably best to keep this one to the earphones or save it for another time. My favourite quote of all time is Alan Kay, who said, in order to break the future, you have to invent it. And it turns out in many respects that the reality is far more exotic, far more tantalising than the dreams of the science fiction writers. I don't consider myself a futurist because I don't present myself like that professionally and I don't feel I have whatever the professional qualifications are to be a futurist. But um, my perspective is very much that of the slogan on a belt I bought from the undercover store in Tokyo several years ago, which reads, I haven't fucked much with the past, but I've fucked plenty with the future. Hi, and welcome to Future Visions, the show by Virgin exploring the surreal world of tomorrow through the finest minds of today. I'm Natalie Campbell, and throughout this series, we've been asking the question, what will the world look like in 20 years' time? We've been keen to know, how will technology shape our path? And what can we do to prepare for these possible scenarios? But in this episode, we're taking a slightly different approach. We're, I guess, thinking about the world through a different lens. Meet Cindy Gallup. I am all about inventing the future because too many people feel the future is something that happens without us, rolls us over in its wake. And I'm all about decide what you want the future to be and make it happen. You know, journalists ask me things like, oh, Cindy, you know, when do you think all of this will change? When do you think we'll be less messed up around sex? Um, in the same spirit of, you know, what do you think the future will be like? And my perspective on that is anything changes when you and I and everybody else make it change. I don't wait for things to change, I make them change. And so my response to those questions, and the way I'm going to tackle whatever you're going to ask me today, is this isn't about, ooh, I think these trends and dynamics are bubbling up, and I think, you know, this is about, this is the future I want to see, and I'm going to fucking make it happen. I'm guessing that last sentence kind of slapped you in the face a little. So if it isn't clear already, Cindy Gallup is a bit of a revolutionist. She's also cool for a number of reasons. In the 1990s, she headed up the US division of Bogle, Bartle, Hegarty, BBH for short, one of the world's most respected ad agencies. Around that time, she also became famous for her style, and her New York home, The Black Apartment, became the setting for the notorious B.I.G.'s Nasty Girl music video, 
That was the music of my youth. But today, Cindy is known as an outspoken voice in the entrepreneurial world. In 2009, she gave a four and a half minute TED talk that became one of the most discussed of the season. There she launched Make Love Not Porn, a sex tech company with a mission to redress the messed up aspects of the porn industry by putting hashtag real world sex front and center. In essence, her platform is about real people sharing real life sex experiences. Today's episode is not about porn, but I definitely suggest watching Cindy's TED speeches for some background context. So that sets the scene. And as you can see, Cindy's a firestarter who's all about inventing her own future. I'm keen to know, what exactly would that future be? A day in my future in 2037 begins with every single person around the world waking up and women and people of colour feeling fan-bloody-tastic about the day they're about to have because that is not what is happening at the moment. For those of you that haven't seen the Future Visions podcast photo, I'm a black woman, so I'm definitely on board. And so my vision for the future in 2037 absolutely begins at ground zero with equality of opportunity for women and people of colour. And the reason for that is because at the moment, every single industry and every single company is dominated at the top by a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys. And the reason change is so slow coming, and I'm referring here to my own industry advertising, to the movie industry, to television, publishing. Um, I reference particularly industries in popular culture because they have a huge impact on what we all think and believe and feel. But this is also true of the legal profession, the financial world, etc., etc. The reason nothing is changing is because those white guys are sitting very pretty. They've all got their enormous salaries, their gigantic bonuses, their big pools of stock options, their lavish expense accounts. Why on earth would they ever want to rock the boat? Oh, they have to talk diversity. You know, they have to point ahead of diversity. They have to have a diversity initiative. They have to use the word diversity a lot. But fundamentally, deep down inside, they don't want to change a thing because the system is working just fine for them as it really is. And so the future I want to see is one where every industry, every business and everything taps into the skills and the talent and creativity of women and people of colour. Because the creative output, the product you get, when you have a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys, is Batman versus Superman, which not coincidentally tanked at the box office. When you welcome women and people of colour into, and I use the reference advisedly, the room where it happens, what you get is Hamilton, which not only exploded every creative convention of boy musicals, but is also not coincidentally making billions of dollars. And so the future in 2037 has actually welcomed in and is leveraging the talent, the creativity, the vision, the execution of women and people of colour. And as a result, the very first and most important thing is that everyone has equality of opportunity. Everyone feels great about it. Everyone lets their creativity roam freely. Everyone can build the future they want. And that future is transformative and bloody amazing. Cindy's future is undoubtedly female and it's diverse in every respect. And as she said, this is a mission that absolutely needs to start at ground zero. In case you need reminding, here are some quick-fire stats that lay out the current problem. Women remain underrepresented at every level of the corporate pipeline. At entry level, 
the workforce is 46% female. But that decreases incrementally to just 19% when we get to the board or C-suite jobs. Corporate America promotes men at higher rates than women, 30% higher in fact. At entry level, women are significantly more likely to have spent five or more years in the same role. Women also negotiate for promotions and raises just as often as men, but face more pushback when they do. And lastly, compared with white women, women of colour face the most barriers and experience the steepest drop-offs in seniority, despite having higher aspirations for becoming a top executive. These stats come from a report commissioned by McKinsey and LeanIn.org. Frankly, they're horrendous. It's 2017, and it's estimated that only 17% of startups have a female founder. So when I hear Cindy talk of a more equal future, I'm there, front row, ready to go. When I say the future is female, I don't mean that in 2037 women are running everything. What I do mean, because I'm, I'm a pragmatic, hard-headed businesswoman, and by the way, you can't have too many of us coming at diversity and gender equality in many different directions. Mine is very specific. There is a huge amount of money to be made out of taking women seriously and out of taking people of colour seriously. And when I say diversity, by the way, I mean diversity of everything. You know, gender, race, ethnicity, um, sexuality, uh, disability, age. But basically, every industry has not even begun to see what it could be. Every aspect of how we live has not begun to see what it could be when it actually leverages diversity and inclusiveness to make disruption happen. This isn't just fairy tale insight. The stats back this up too. Companies in the top quartile for gender diversity are 15% more likely to have financial returns above their respective national industry medians. Companies in the top quartile for racial and ethnic diversity are 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective national industry medians. And it's estimated that gender parity could add something around the $12 trillion mark to the world GDP over the next 10 years, if it was actually addressed. So in business terms, diversity equals profit. It's just a plain fact. Diversity drives innovation. Innovation is the result of many different mindsets, perspectives, worldviews, insights, experiences, all coming together in constructive creative conflict to get to a far better place none of us could have gotten to on our own. And gender cuts across all of that. Women challenge the status quo because we are never it. And so in 2037, the future is wonderful when we welcome in the contribution, the input of women and people of colour. So how can we create this change? As we're talking about the future, let's focus on technology. Zoom out and think about technology over the last few millennia, over the whole of humankind. If you think about what people have drove to innovate, it's usually been things that previously have been in the realm of the gods. <laughs> so for instance, some gods were able to travel from A to B within the case of a few, few hours. And now we can do that on planes. Gods could be omnipotent, they can know what's going on all the time. We've got this power and hopes and dreams and fears that are akin to divinity pinned around technology. And currently, technology is overwhelmingly male-dominated, culturally as well as in terms of you know, how the teams are constructed. It's a serious issue for humanity and it's not just something that we should brush off and take lightly and say, well, it's just about a few cases of sexual harassment in Silicon Valley. It's much more than that. This is Catherine Allen, a BAFTA-winning virtual reality specialist. 
She's produced some of the BBC's first non-fiction virtual reality pieces and is a committed campaigner for diversity, especially when it comes to women in her industry. I think that we will never actually solve the issue of patriarchy unless we have equal distribution in technology between men and women. So gender ratios need to be solved right across the hierarchy before actually as a whole society we could ever even think of achieving equality for women. The reason why is when you think, what drives change? If you asked, you know, Joe Bloggs on the street, what drives change? It's likely that person would say, well, I suppose it's technology, isn't it? Or at least a catalyst for change or an amplifier. When technology is the thing that pushes things forward, causes things to change, and it is so dramatically constructed out of men. I mean, in the UK, for instance, some research that Martha Lane Fox was involved in found that less than one in 10 of le leaders in the technology sector are women. When we've got this kind of environment that we live in right now, where the driver is change is so overwhelmingly dominated by men, and actually more dominated by men than parliament as well, we're just not gonna solve these problems because it, technology is not about the industry, it's as much about the product and those subtle but actually really powerful ways that it's affecting our lives. And currently that's mainly men's values that are travelling through into things that we just use constantly, ubiquitously, all the time. So the current problem is laid out very clearly. This is not just about women and people from diverse backgrounds getting a fair chance in the world of work. This is about how values can trickle down from these industries through the products to have a wider impact on society and the way we think. Cindy elaborates. I absolutely want to see a world where how we live and how we work and how we do everything is designed through the, the female and the diverse racial lens, as much as currently through the white male lens. Here's why that's important. The tech world is massively white male dominated. And what that means is that when you have tech ventures that have an all-male founding team, an all-male development team, all-male funders, VCs, and therefore an all-male advisory board, you get tech ventures with a male-centric worldview. And at scale, that can profoundly change how society operates for everybody else. So a very basic example is Tinder. All-male development design team, all male backers, therefore all male advisory board. There is no woman on Tinder's board. And therefore we have a dating app that operates at huge scale with a male-centric worldview. It's built around the idea that there is only one key criteria of dateability, which is utterly superficial, looks. Swipe right, swipe left. And when that platform operates at the kind of scale Tinder does, that concept has embedded itself in humanity's neural structure that means you make those instant dismissals and the idea of swiping right and swiping left has entered the public consciousness and our vocabulary in all sorts of other respects as well. Now, I hasten to add, I am not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's only very worrying when it is not counterpointed by an equally female-centric worldview funded and enabled to operate at equal scale, and we're not. The power of tech companies to shape the way we think is massive. Think about social media, our online shopping, and some of the applications of artificial intelligence and robots that we've discussed in this series. If we continue to allow this to be shaped predominantly by a white male lens, the imbalance in society will only increase. We're all grappling with the question of where do we start? 
how do we get on top of this in a way that has real momentum? Catherine believes that emerging technology sectors have an opportunity to completely rewrite the blueprint. I suppose with VR at the moment, we've got this golden opportunity because it's new to think, how would we do things differently? So we've got this opportunity to carve out a sort of space, the sort of industry and the kinds of products which consciously are more equal. We don't have to bring in the baggage from the past. You know, all those assumptions and stereotypes from other mediums, we can leave them behind if we make a conscious effort right now to do so. So that's why I think virtual reality has this opportunity, but also it's, it's important that virtual reality represents the experiences of people who are you know, currently underrepresented because it's so much around point of view perspective so when you put on a virtual reality headset you are really submitting to the person who or the group of people who've created this to their angle on the world although virtual reality might have this illusion that you're just being taken to a sort of unbiased neutral space even that space has actually been created and crafted by either a person or a group of people and their biases like with many other tech products will weave right through it but the difference here is rather than looking at something on the screen in a rectangle in front of you, you're in it, you're inside that world. So point of view and perspective in VR really, really matters. And that's why it's important that we, for instance, tell the stories of women or bring in the experiences of uh, people of colour. It's I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's so crucial to see VR as, I suppose, something that's both an opportunity for you know, a new industry and therefore doesn't have to be made by young middle-aged white men for white men, but also there's a real need because of the nature of this technology and its point of view perspective. You're listening to the Future Visions podcast with me, Natalie Campbell. And in this episode, we're discussing Cindy Gallup's vision for the future, a diverse world where opportunities for people of all backgrounds has been made possible. AI changes everything. The ability to command things through voice, which is obviously what we're able to do at the moment with Alexa and Siri, 
translated through into all sorts of mechanisms and platforms that mean that you issue commands and they happen. You know, everyone can be godlike in a way that we never thought the human race could. That transforms the fabric of both work and life as well. And, and, and the way you make things happen, the way you do things. So I see a future where every one of us actually feels a whole lot happier because we have taken away a lot of the barriers that are causing frustration and anger and inequality in all sorts of ways. Um, and most importantly, we're enabling everyone to identify their true individual worth and deliver on it in a way that will be enormously fulfilling. But if we're going to reach Cindy's vision of a level playing field, there's much more to be done. We've just talked about building audiences in parallel with building diversity into our teams. But one other key problem we need to address is making these people visible. In the tech world, I could name Musk, Gates, Jobs, Zuckerberg, all by their surnames, and you'd know instantly who they are. But how many women and people of colour in tech leadership can you identify by surname alone? Debbie O'Kenler is a people of colour in tech, or POC Tech ambassador at Google Campus here in London. She wants to do her thing in raising the profiles of people who look like her in the industry. She started a campaign called We Are The Faces. There was this really popular event in London that was targeted towards female founders. And I was like, yeah, I've got to go to this event. It's going to be so amazing. It's all about female founders, kick-ass women. And I go on there and I don't see anyone that looks like me. And I'm like, hold on. Like, if you're talking about female founders, you better have all female on that, on that panel. And I was so shocked. Everyone on that event list was, was white. And I said, well, if you're going to make an event about white female founders, please put it in the title. This is an event for white female founders. Then I'll totally get if you don't have black girls on there. So I told my friend about it. And, and she was like, um, yeah, I'm totally going to email them. We've got to change this. Like, this is not right. And they replied back saying, we just haven't had enough time to find women that are diverse. And to me, that really scared me and it really shocked me because I was like, you don't have enough time. This is something that should be your culture. You're doing this, you're doing this massive event to find time for those women that other people don't have time for. So for you to say you don't have time, that's wrong. I wanted to talk about the problem, um, have a solution. Well, I said, I'm going to curate a list of all the amazing women in the tech scene, in the investment scene, founders, marketeers and creatives and put their Twitter handle and hopefully provide a resource list for these female initiatives or event organisers or 100 top women in tech curator list to say, hi, these are some BAME founders, predominantly black because I'm black, that you can reach out to and ask to speak at your event. It made me think you can't attract what you don't embrace, right? If your team isn't diverse, of course you're not going to be able to find startups in a diverse sector. If your team is not diverse at work, of course you're not going to be leading on projects that reach Ghana, that change people that have disabilities' lives, because you don't have anyone on the team that's going through those struggles. So of course you're not going to understand it. Debbie is a brilliant example of a young woman sticking her neck out. She understands that the importance of role models from all backgrounds is key to breaking down the barriers. If these role models aren't visible, how are we going to start having conversations with the next generation about the opportunities that exist within tech? This is a clear case of where the education system can step in and do some work too. I'm the chair of the Nominate Trust. The trust exists to transform lives with tech. As a corporate foundation, it invests millions of pounds into tech for good. 
Over the last 10 years, hundreds of small ventures have grown into sustainable businesses that change lives all over the world. We spoke to Vicky Hearn, director of Nominet Trust, to explain more. So the purpose of Nominet Trust is to transform lives with tech and supporting inclusivity and driving diversity in all its forms um, is key to many of the programs uh, that we operate. Uh, we work in three main ways. We invest in the social innovators who are embracing tech to achieve positive change. We use our experience then to inspire others about how tech can transform lives and then connect them to the knowledge and resources that they need to grow their ventures. And we also join forces with like-minded organizations to create the biggest possible social impact through our work. So organizations like Nominet Trust and other charities are helping to open up opportunities in digital skills for people from all backgrounds. But clearly, we can't rely on them alone to fund the change we need. By the way, depressingly and also not, money is critical in all of this. When you have a future that is being driven down a path that is sexist, is biased, because it's through the white male lens, because they are who get funded, who get backed, who get championed, who get all the opportunities. That is bad for humanity as a whole. 5% of all venture-funded startups are founded by women. We have enormous trouble getting access to capital. I have many female friends who wanted to start dating apps who couldn't get anyone to fund them and had to, had to give up and shut down. So why are women being underinvested in? Especially when we know there are statistics proving that gender-diverse companies have better success rates. We spoke to Jonathan Spasato, a serial entrepreneur and startup investor who also happens to be one of the first people to have sold two companies to Google. He's founder of GeekWire.com, one of the tech world's biggest news sites, and also PicMonkey photo editor. About 18 months or maybe two years ago now, where I said that I would from now on only invest in companies that have uh, a female founder or a female co-founder. I made that statement because there was also this belief on my part that companies that are more diverse, um, where there's gender balance, you end up creating a better product or a better service. And, and that is a belief that I've observed personally from uh, the companies that I've built, the teams that I've been on, or sometimes um, I'm at a large organization in my younger years working at like a Microsoft and reporting to a female boss or having a team that was 50-50 male-female. And the results were astoundingly wonderful and successful. And I always strive to want to replicate that in the things that I do and to encourage other people to do that. We subscribe to these kind our old-fashioned beliefs of what, what is leadership. And when we see a woman walk in uh, and she has a brilliant pitch, but she may present it differently, that's why you get those very dismal stats about uh, how little women are funded. Jonathan has recently written a book titled Better Together, Eight Ways Working with Women Leads to Extraordinary Products and Profits. And he has some good ideas. Now, going all the way back to some research by Harvard psychologist Carol Gilligan that she did in the late 70s, early 80s, it's long been known that men and women communicate differently because they developmentally, as uh, boys and girls, our language skills start to bifurcate. We, we actually listen and talk differently, and we have a different way of bidding for inclusiveness. So women, for example, might speak in a way in the corporate world, uh, in meetings, that might sound more inclusive. Uh, they may use words that are bids for inclusion. Uh, they may say things like, 
hey, I'm not completely sure about it. I want you to know, I, I want to know what you think, but how about this idea? Now, if we subscribe to conventional notions of leadership and what is successful and what is ambition, those tend to be traditionally male traits. And so if you believe, if you're kind of stuck there, then you're going to hear the language difference between men and women. You're going to hear the way that women speak and communicate in the corporate world. You're going to misinterpret that as being weak. You're going to think of that as being not as gung-ho or not as ambitious. Whereas, if you look at it differently, if you kind of tilt it a little bit, I think that we need to learn how to hear women better. If the last few years in corporate training, we've over-focused on Let's teach women how to be, uh, how to talk like men. Let's, let's teach them how to be more assertive and louder and all of that stuff. I, I, I kind of call BS on that. I think we now need to change to let's teach men how to listen better. I can only hope Jonathan's way of thinking can permeate further throughout the industry. And in essence, Cindy agrees. I spoke um, a couple of years ago um, at the InspireFest conference in Dublin, which, which is a conference dedicated to gender equality and diversity in tech. 80% um, diverse speakers, you know, vast amounts of women. And I spoke at the end of two days talking about all the barriers we all face. And I walked out on stage and I said to the audience, every single obstacle, every single one of us faces every day, all these battles we've talked about for the past two days that we're fighting, You'll be amazed how quickly every single one of those barriers melts away magically when we prove that as women, as diverse whoever, we can make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. Honestly, all those barriers go. That's the answer. So I'm mentally swearing along with Cindy and fist pumping in the air because I agree with every single word. Tackling diversity is a huge issue and it's going to take lots of different actions over many years. It can't just be left to governments, big business, even your own boss or school. We've all got to play our part. So if we were to build our toolkit for the future, to come up with a list of actions that each and every one of us could start implementing today, what would our experts say? I live my own philosophies. When I talk about the future, um, I explain to audiences that I'm not one of those speakers who pontificates. Everything I talk to you about today, I'm trying myself, I'm experimenting, I'm succeeding, I'm failing, I'm trying again. And one of my philosophies is micro-actions. Micro-actions are incredibly small, simple, easy-to-do actions that are so easy to do, why wouldn't you do them? And the reason micro-actions are important is because change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. The old world order model of making things happen through hierarchies, organisations, institutions, broken. There's a new bottom up model in operation, collaborative people power and collective action. That's how the future happens. The ecosystem and the environment in which everyone is operating is key to not only having achievements at a sort of a small scale, but creating that ripple effect and a changing of minds in the social tech space that we're familiar with so that people start to understand what, what can be achieved, but also what the remaining barriers are that need to be addressed and how programs of work can be brought together collaboratively with different organizations, again, coming from different backgrounds themselves, the diversity of organizations in achieving significant systemic change is also key to how we can just move the whole agenda forward. You've got to have two approaches. You've got to have the front end and you've got to have the back end. So when it comes to diversity, we need both. 
across all organisations. So investment teams, female initiative programmes, tech companies in general. The back end, you need to have diverse teams. You need to focus on teams, you need to focus on vision, and you need to focus on strategies. When it comes to the front end, you need to focus on your brand, content, and visibility. We've got the issue which is the makeup of an industry, and we've got the issue which is the audience. We can address the audience challenge by looking at construction of the industry and who's in it. Having diversity addressed right throughout the hierarchy and across teams as well, so not just in you know, marketing or PR or operations, but actually having diversity even throughout software engineers. If you've got that, then you will have the internal challenge right from the beginning to make things that are much more accessible for a broader audience. You know, whatever business metrics you want to measure, there's so much value that we can unlock if we can lick this problem. If we can solve this problem, I think that um, as a society, we could just go much, much further in how we tackle future problems, whether that's in AI or virtual reality or augmented reality, uh, what, you know, uh, solving the planet's problems. There's just so much more that we can do if we allow 50% of the species an equal seat at the table. There is one micro-action out of all of them that is the single micro-action that, if you take it, will most profoundly impact your life and your career going forwards. It's a micro-action that requires no skill, experience, effort whatsoever. Anyone can take this micro-action, but it is the single micro-action that will be the absolute root and starting point of the future we all want to see. It's a very simple micro-action, and it's this. Say what you think. No, really. Say what you really think. Because nobody does. And I agree with every word. Because what we know is that the next 20 years will be a fully tech-enabled world, both real and virtual. But at the moment, it's a world built by men. So instead of tech being an enabler of equality, we're in danger of perpetuating the same unequal world we live in today. Cindy's rallying call is all about micro-actions. It's about us taking the little steps to move the dial forward. From starting our own businesses to our own networks or content channels, these are the things that we need to do to ensure our own sense of personal agency and ownership. I guess my closing thought on all of this is that there's a wide open door to challenge and disrupt all of the systems and businesses building this future. We just need to step on through it. That's it for this edition of the Future Visions podcast. Thanks again to Cindy Gallup, Catherine Allen, Jonathan Spasato, Debbie Okenla, and Vicky Hearn. As ever, if you want to find out more about our guests, just head over to virgin.com or share your thoughts with us on Twitter at Virgin using the Future Visions hashtag. Next time on the Future Visions podcast, we meet award-winning futurist Tracy Follows, who explores how AI could drastically change the way we think about crime prevention. We could have police forces driving around in autonomous vehicles that have tracking and monitoring devices, picking up on all kinds of digital location-based behaviour, mobile behaviour, piecing all of that data together and then perhaps that car is kind of following you, shadowing you down the street because you are emitting some kind of pre-crime profiling. Until then, from me, Natalie Campbell, goodbye. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.